chapter 1 today 1st Peter chapter 1 read a great passage of scripture to you you just sang that song one of the most well-known songs in the world probably amazing grace and one I think everybody knows and it's a just it's a great song and the author of that song was a man by the name of John Newton he was but before John Newton's conversion um, he was a very wicked individual. He was a captain of his own slave ship. And he was known for using very foul, blasphemous language. He was noted for being able to throw a lot of profanity into one sentence. It was kind of one of the things that he was known for. And later in his life, he experienced the amazing grace of God and was totally changed. He ended up becoming a preacher. And his main subject that he always preached about was on the grace of God. And as he grew older, he started losing his memory but the one thing he never forgot and something that he would say everywhere he would go is my memory is nearly all gone. But I remember one thing. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. And what a true statement that is. And what a beautiful song that is. Because you know, I'm going to preach this morning about the amazing grace of God. But the truth is, none of us can really totally fully understand the grace of God. 
or describe the grace of God. It's something that it's just it's too high above us. Uh, there's people out there they try to explain it. There's some groups out there that they kind of simplify the grace of God by saying that, well, you know, God just picks who's saved and who's not saved, and it's all by His grace. And just they come up with some really goofy things. I think trying to simplify it. But the truth is, we can't really describe it. It's just it's an amazing thing. It's referred to in one verse as this unspeakable gift. How do you describe something like grace? And I tell you, it is a great thing to talk about. We're going to talk about it. But if I was to tell you that I'm going to tonight, I'm going to give, I'm going to explain grace to you to the where you know everything about it. I can't do that. I'm not capable of it. But I'm going to do my best though. And in First Peter chapter one verse one. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Uh, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, there's a great thing there about eternal security. We don't stay saved by our good works. Alright, we stay saved by the power of God and through faith in His salvation. But in verse 6, "...wherein ye greatly rejoice, so now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now ye see Him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory." We sang that song earlier, joy unspeakable. That's from this verse right here. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. I love that verse there. Those Old Testament prophets, those things that they saw and the things that they knew, they they knew a little bit about the grace of God that was going to come to us. It was going to come to us Gentiles. And boy, they diligently inquired. They wanted to know more about this great gift that you and I are experiencing. Did you know that New Testament church that we are in right now, that was a mystery to those Old Testament saints. They knew nothing about it. And it was something that they were interested in, something they inquired about. But you and I are living that mystery that they were just hungry to know about. This grace of God that we experience, that we talk about, it was a mystery to them. We've experienced it. So it was not only was it something that the Old Testament prophets were interested in, but notice we'll keep reading verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it tested beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you and the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. This stuff that's going on here, the things that we experience as Christians, the grace of God, it's something that angels are interested in. It's something that angels can't completely understand. Only God can understand loving a group like us. 
Now, listen, I know we're Liberty Baptist Church here. I know we think we're pretty good. Alright? But, hey, you start looking at the Bible, we're nothing special. In fact, we're pretty bad. But God loves us because of His grace. You and I can't fully understand that. And even the holy angels that are in heaven, they can't even fully understand this unspeakable gift that we're talking about. This amazing grace that we just sang about. They don't even get it completely. They can't. Only God can. They desire to look into it. They want to know more about it. Well, they're watching. They're paying attention. I mean, angels, they've got to be scratching their heads sometimes when they see God saving people like us. Like, why would He save them? You know, those angels, they're always beholding the face of the Father, the Bible says. So we have to be careful not to offend the little ones. I mean, just one look from God and the angels, they could go and they take care of us just like that. One angel in the Old Testament, I believe it was, I believe it was 180,000. One angel killed. They have no problem doing that. You know why? Because they're holy. And so, killing sinners like us, they'd have no problem with that. And I think we've all done plenty of things that an angel would have killed us and not had a problem with. But he didn't because of God and the grace that he showed us that they don't understand, but thankfully they're obedient to God. I'm glad for that. But it says, verse 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, we like to talk about holiness around here. We like to, we like to preach against sin. We like to preach for doing good works. But none of these things get us saved one bit. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. But because we have this hope of someday being holy and being like Christ, we do right. We try to do right. We do our best. We try to be good people. Oh, you know, those churches, they're all just, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, it's true if they think they're not sinners. Not to say they're all a bunch of sinners. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're trying. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to make excuses for you for messing up and doing wrong, but we are trying and we are, we are excited when that amazing grace is fully revealed. I mean, one of these days, you and I are going to be like Christ. I mean, that, that blows my mind to think about that. It, I mean, it boggles my mind that some people I know to think that they can be saved and even start acting like a Christian, but let alone to be like Christ. That you and I are going to someday be like Christ. It's something that we cannot completely describe. But what we can do is we can look at what God has shown us in His Word. And I just want to, I just really want to look at a few things today. I'm not going to try to go along even though we could talk about this all day. But that amazing grace, that salvation that we received, one, it's salvation from the sins of our past. I mean, and right there, I mean, that ought to make a Presbyterian shout right there. I mean, the sins of our past are forgiven. Sin can no longer condemn us. 1 John 1 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now listen, I'm not asking for anybody to start confessing right now. But I imagine there's some folks in here, you've probably done some pretty bad stuff that you don't want getting out. Some stuff that you've done in the past that was wicked you wish you hadn't done. 
things that you're things that you're sorry for, things that maybe if we found out, we might not like you as much anymore. I mean, I mean, we're not always as forgiving as God is and as Jesus Christ is. That if we knew every little thing about you and the things that you've done in your past, we might have there's some that might have a hard time with you. We might not be able to let it go. There may be there there might have been things that you've done in the past to somebody that they've never been able to forgive you for. They don't want to be your friend. Maybe even a family member. They don't want to have anything to do with you anymore because of something that you did against them. And to think that while we have sinned against other people, it's absolutely nothing compared to what we've done against God. I mean I we were just at at a funeral this week. It was a Catholic funeral. And it was so sad as we listened to the priest when he was saying his prayers, the exact same word-for-word prayers, he said at her grandpa's funeral, he kept praying for God to remember her works. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I want the Lord to remember my works. If I when I stand before him, that's the last thing I want is him bringing up my works because my righteousness is as a filthy rag. The Bible says, and I am thrilled to death that the sins of my past he forgets them. They he cleanses them through his blood, and I'm glad that when I that it's settled, it's been taken care of. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for my sins, and I'm glad that when I die, I don't have to worry about some priest coming and baptizing me again after I'm dead throwing holy water on me, having everybody light candles for me so God will get me out of purgatory sooner. Hey, they have to pray that Lord forgive their sins. It's already been taken care of. The sins of the past, when you get saved, they're taken care of. They're washed away. Just two verses later, in 1 John verse one, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it blows my mind how people sometimes will say, when you try to talk to them about salvation, and they'll start to talk about, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, that's true. And I really don't want to know what you've done. And I don't really need to know what you've done because my Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sins. It didn't say all sins except for yours. It didn't say all sins except for whatever. All. I think when you study the Greek, it means all. It's... It's it's all covered. It's all there. Psalms 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. You know, if we were to all head east today, we could just keep going and keep going. And they never really meet up, do they? And that's how it is with our sins. It's removed from us. It's not apart from us. It's not going to be brought up again. Now, people do that sometimes. Have you ever had somebody forgive you and then a little while later they bring it up again? You know, all of a sudden they're mad at you. Wait, I thought you forgave me for this. But they do. They bring it up again. We do that sometimes as people, but God doesn't do that. You're not going to get stand before God on a judgment day. So listen, I know you did what the Bible says. You called on the name of the Lord for salvation. But you know what? I forgot when I saved you that you had done such and such and I just remembered. Now, He does forget what we've done, the Bible says. And not in the sense that God is this forgetful God and having, you know, He's going through Alzheimer's or something like that. It's no. When it says He forgets them, it's not going to be an issue anymore. It's not going to be brought up. Hey, it's forgotten. It's over. Don't you hate it? When you've kind of gotten over something and then somebody brings it up again 
And then you get all mad again. It's like, I thought I'd forgotten that. <laughs> you know? And the truth is, you never, we never completely do. But God does. And I'm thrilled to death about that. The sins of the past can no longer condemn us. We see in the Scriptures that the devil, he is the accuser of the brethren. And let me tell you, it's true. We give him plenty of ammunition. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says, He's that intercessor for us. He pleads for us on our behalf. And whenever the devil brings up the sins that we've done, and boy, there are many. And you know what? The devil, I mean, he's a liar. But when it comes to bringing up our sins, he doesn't even have to lie. For none of us, he doesn't have to lie. But Jesus Christ, he's able to say, My blood paid for their sins. And the devil has nothing he can do. But not only do the does the amazing grace that or that salvation save us from the sins of our past, it saves us from the sins of the present. Sin no longer can control us. Now you and I, I, I don't know, I know we've got a lot of saved people in here, but I notice we don't have any perfect people in here. Now, we're still we still have problems, don't we? But we don't have to sin. Have you ever talked to somebody and they're just like, you know, you know, maybe your kids, it's like, you know, they're, they're getting, their kids are fighting. Maybe, you know, your son, he hits his sister. It's like, I, I couldn't help it. She made me mad and I had to hit her. Okay? I, uh, it's like, I couldn't help it. I lost control. It wasn't my fault. People do that all the time. You don't understand. I have a disease. I'm an alcoholic. I can't help but a drink. You don't understand. I have a temper. I can't control it. When somebody makes me mad, I have to hit them. I have, you know, I have to do this. I have to do that. People always are making up all these excuses for their sin like it's completely out of their control. And you know, the truth is they're not that far off. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, I reference this verse all the time. It's just a great verse. But Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, "...and you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin." That's, listen, that's why the world does the crazy things that they do. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are, in verse 2, "...wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience." Look, there's just... We follow human nature. And I'm just going to give you a real quick history of time from Adam till the coming of Christ something that we started way back in the Garden of Eden was self-destruction destroying us destroying ourselves and destroying this planet now, I'm not talking about environmentalism right now but we see though that sin where it's ultimately going to lead is to tribulation that's ultimately going to lead to that battle of Armageddon. That's ultimately going to lead to this world being destroyed by fire. It's, and it's all as a result of sin. It is the human nature for us. It's our human nature to sin. It's just what we do. But thank God, by His grace, He saves us. His Holy Spirit dwells in us. And not only do we not have to sin, but we don't have to face that indestruction that the rest is going to have. We don't have to go to hell. That's where our works are ultimately going to lead us. I mean, boy, I'm here today to tell you, I don't care how much you go to church, I don't care how good you try to be, if when you die, 
If you have to stand before God and you're just being judged on your works, you're going to end up in hell. That's the only choice because we are all sinners, but God saves us from that. And when we get saved, we don't have to live that life we used to live. There may be some in here. I mean, you had a wicked past. There may have been a time where you were a drunk. There may have been a time that you were the drug addict. You were the one that was maybe spending a lot of your time in jail. Maybe, I mean, it's amazing the way God can change people. I love seeing it. I love seeing the people that at one time were just, I mean, just living wicked lives. And some, and then you see them sitting in church, singing praises to God. So, I mean, they're some of the best preachers that I know. Preaching the Word of God, pastoring churches at one time. None of us would have wanted to have anything to do with them. But you know what? God saved them and it changed them. Those things that they used to do, they quit doing them. Why? God gave them the power to do that. He quickened them. He gave them spiritual life. And we have spiritual life. We've got the flesh too. But boy, when we feed that Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit, we can have victory over the flesh. Listen, my wife and I, I love my wife, we've been married for 12 years. I think we have a great marriage. But you know what? If I was to start doing what most of the world's doing, that could change real fast. It could end real ugly. We could end up hating each other. I can't imagine that right now. But sin will do that to a marriage. If I'm, if, if, listen, I think my kids love me to death. I love my kids. But you know what? Sin could change that to where they hate me. And I don't, but you know what? That doesn't have to happen. A lot of people these days, they have this attitude that this is just life. This is just the way marriage is. This is just the way families are. I mean, I'm miserable, but that's just life. No, it doesn't have to be that way. We can be happy. We can be victorious as Christians. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it and the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God and those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Many people think that salvation, that's now your excuse to go ahead and sin. And guess what? I'm still going to heaven because Jesus has forgiven all my sins. God forbid if that's your attitude. That's not what it's all about. Because we're saved, we don't have to let sin reign. We don't have to let sin have control. Our members, our body, we can be used as instruments of righteousness. You know, because the truth is, anything that I do that resembles good, it's not because of Tommy McMurtry. It's because of Jesus Christ. But thank God, sometimes He uses me to do righteousness. But my righteousness, okay, my good works, it's it's filthy. You know, so a lot of times the good things we do is with a bad motive. I try to please my wife, that's good. Sometimes I try to please my wife just so I don't make her mad and she doesn't I don't get myself in trouble. <laughs> Say, hey, we're all like that. You know, it's we're thinking about ourselves, aren't we? Sometimes where we do good to other people, maybe so they can do something back to us. Sometimes we do good just to be seen. It's like, well, I don't want to be that way. You can't help. You know why? Because you're a sinner. But you know what? You just go ahead and you keep doing good 
and just let, and God can use you as an instrument of righteousness. Listen, only the grace of God can do that. Only the grace of God can take somebody that's only brought heartache and pain and sorrow to people and use them to be a blessing and to make a difference in people's lives. We, the, uh, we see that with the Apostle Paul. A man who used to kill Christians. God changed his life and he became probably the greatest Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. God was able to, God did that by His grace. Paul was an instrument. Paul, you know what Paul called himself? We call him the greatest Christian, but Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And the truth is, I think Paul was right when he said chief of sinners. He was under the inspiration of God when he wrote that. But when you look at all the works that Paul did, it's real easy to think, man, he sure was great. But the truth is, that was just Christ working through him. God just used Paul in a great way because he yielded his body as to Christ for righteousness. If God is not using us for righteousness, it's because we're not letting Him. God wants to use you, and God can use anybody. Here's like God can't use me. I'm too. I'm too evil. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too young. I'm too old. No, no. Listen. Really, the weaker you are, the greater the potential you have for God. The Bible says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And that's what He often does. He did that throughout the Bible. And it's the most exciting thing is when somebody gets saved and just watching how God just breaks them free from those things with the sins of the present. Sin can no longer control us. I've seen people that are... You know, sometimes people they struggle giving up things. Other times I've seen people just I mean they've quit the drinking just like that. They've they quit things. I mean they're in church, faithful. Sometimes it's a little bit of a battle. But you know what? God gives victory. And there's just there's nothing more exciting to watch. I know people that some friends of mine at my dad's church, I remember when they first came to church. You know, they were all they're all pierced up, kind of scary looking. You know, guy got the long hair and everything, and you're just you're looking at him like, whoa. Hope they don't get scared off from the preaching today. But you know what? They 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 hung around, and some of those some of these people I'm thinking of right now, just good friends of mine that have, that have been a big blessing even around here. That I mean, now to look at these people, you, you never know. You you never know. They went and they got rid of that stuff. You know, cleaned up their act. Uh, so one. Of the, one of the individuals he's preached here before, a good friend of mine. You know, whenever he goes out visiting, he likes to he likes to wear long sleeves even in the summer because he's trying to cover up those tattoos. Another individual got saved not long before he left. He was out visiting and he was kind of the same. He you know, he was kind of out there in a short sleeve shirt, and was kind of you know worried about his tattoos. And I told him, I said, listen, I said, don't worry about that. I said, you know what? You are a reminder to people that. God can save anybody. You know, sometimes there, there's some. I remember some that was kind of scary looking, that were pretty evil looking, and you know you can't get rid of those things. That's why it's a bad idea to get them in the first place. But you know what? Thank God, he God is going to say, "Oh, forget you." I had an individual. I'm not going to say anything about the religion because I already mentioned something about that religion. I don't want to pick on a religion, <laughs> but he explained to me. He was telling me how good he was at his religion. And he was just like, you don't know what it's like to be a wonderful, this type of religion, in an area like this filled with a bunch of tattooed infidels. 
That is exactly how he said it. I mean, and then he just kind of shut the door on me, and I was like, I was like, well, listen, can't your religion save them tattooed infidels? Can't they change that? Why you know, we get so down on people, but thank God he doesn't do that. And the people that you know that one time were controlled by sin, God has given them the victory, and you would never know that they live that kind of life. You never know that maybe a few years ago they were sitting in jail or sitting in prison. God saved them. Saves for amazing grace, that salvation. It saves us from the sins of the past. It saves us from the sins of the present. And it saves us from the sins of the future. Now I'm not saying that you can go and live the rest of your life perfect, never sinning. Uh, that's not going to happen. The last preacher, I heard of a preacher who... Uh, said that he went four days without sinning. Four days. I remember, I was like, that's nuts. We know that same preacher ended up in prison. Not long, I mean, not long at all after that for some pretty horrible stuff. Four days up. Sorry. (laughs) If we, Bible says we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But you know, sin, doesn't have to conquer us. A lot of times people, whenever I've witnessed many people before and I've talked to them about salvation, and you know, when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you, He's going to convict you of sin. Okay? That's why, remember, that's why we're getting saved. We don't just get saved. It's not just we're not trying to get this free ticket to heaven, even though it is a free ticket to heaven. We're trying to be saved from our sins. And I always worry when people are like, well, if I get saved, do I have to quit? And they'll start naming sins. That I haven't even brought up. Listen, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin, you need to admit that it's sin, and you ought to be willing to give it up. Not nobody's saying that you're going to be perfect. But I've had many people say, I, "I just I don't think I can get saved. I don't think I could quit this. I don't think I could give up that." And I tell them, "Listen, you say that now because you're lost." But when you get saved and you experience the grace of God, you experience the salvation of God, you're going to learn real quick that you can overcome whatever sin it is you think has got control of your life. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We can overcome that. I can't. Yes, you can. You can conquer that sin through Jesus Christ, through Him who loved us. In fact, we're more than conquerors. Not only can we conquer, I mean, we can we can beat it into the ground. I, I thank God that by this, listen, this is by the grace of God. I mean, by the grace of God, I was saved when I was five years old. I can't explain why God saved me at a young age, and some folks get saved at a later age. I'm just thankful for it. I'm thankful that I grew up in a home where I was taught to stay away from certain sins. And I'm thankful that there are certain things that have just have never been a problem. I've never... Please do not think I'm bragging. I'm not bragging. It's only by the grace of God. I thank God I've never tasted alcohol. I thank God for that. He's made me more than a conqueror of that. Not only have I not had to figure out how to get over that mess, I've never even had to deal with it in the first place. More than conquerors. That's through Christ. He gets the credit for that, not me. I thank God for the family that He's given me and for the church that He's given me. This is by the grace of God. I can't explain why. I'm not even going to try to explain why. But I'm just saying He's made me more than a conqueror in many areas. And He can do that same thing to you. 
Matthew 5, or 10, verse 13 says, And they brought young children to Him that He should touch them. And His disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And He took them upon His arms and put His hands upon them and blessed them. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a little child get saved. I, I, I like seeing... I like seeing anybody get saved. I like seeing them rough characters, just wicked, get saved. I love seeing that. I like seeing I like seeing old folks get saved. I love it. Devil had them all them years, and he lost them there towards the end. I love it. That's got to drive him crazy. I like seeing anybody get saved. But boy, when you see that young child get saved, you see them give their heart to Christ, and know that they've got their whole life ahead of them. That they can live for God. There's some here you may have only been saved for a short time, and you thank the Lord for that. And you're gonna you're just as saved as somebody who's been saved for 75 years. You're just as saved. But you know that boy, it's like you know what? Anybody that's ever gotten saved later, it's like I wish I would have got saved younger. I wish I'd been younger. And when you see that a young child and know that hey, that's somebody the devil's already lost. And if they'll stay close to Christ and walk in the Spirit. They can be victorious. There's things that you've been through in here, sins that you've tasted of, things that you've dealt with, heartaches that you've gone through that you would not wish on your worst enemy. It was before you were saved. You didn't know. You didn't know any better. You were walking according to the course of this world. But boy, that ought to motivate us even more to go out and try to reach those younger ones. That's why I love King's Kids. That's why I love Sunday school ministries and bus ministries to get try to get them while they're young. Because some of these kids out there, they're living in some pretty horrible situations that I don't know how I would get out of that mess. I don't know what I would do. But I do know they get Jesus Christ in their life. He can help them to conquer that and overcome that. And some of these kids out there right now, maybe they're living in some horrible homes. They've got maybe drunks and drug addicts for parents. Someday they could be the ones standing behind the pulpit here and preaching. Who knows? The next pastor of this church, it could be some young boy who just maybe last night his father got drunk and just beat the tar out of him. But he gets reached, he gets saved, and he conquers these things. And as Christians, we need to remember how God forgave us. And we need to remember that when we look at others that aren't everything that they ought to be, we need to remember Titus. 3 verse 1 through 7. I want to read a few verses from here real quick. Titus chapter 3 verse 1 through 7. What happens sometimes, after we've been saved for a while, you start getting your act together and God starts blessing you, you start doing good. Sometimes we forget where we came from. And we get to looking at other people as they come along that aren't what they should be. And the Bible says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities, powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration 
and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Hey, we were there at one time. We were there. And God saved us. And we need to remember that. And we need to always remember that it was, it was an amazing grace. I was only five years old when the Lord saved me. Say, five. You couldn't have had a whole lot of sin and stuff in your life that He had to save you from. I can understand him saving you know an innocent little kid, but what about some grown up wicked so and so like me? Let me tell you, it was an amazing grace to save me as a five year old boy. I was a sinner too, and when we start looking at God and His holiness, it's very foolish to compare sinners among sinners. Very foolish compared to God. We're all filthy. But by His amazing grace, He will save your soul. So let's all stand together.